Hello. Hello. Is this thing on? No. It's low. You guys might not have heard all the amazing things Aaron just said about me, but basically he said I'm incredible and I'm amazing and I'm talented and you guys are in for a real treat. I think, did I get that right? That's pretty much it. So, good morning. How's it going? All right, I am just honored uh, to get a chance to come and share with you guys again. I had a really great time two weeks ago um, sharing uh, what I felt like God had put on my heart. And today I just want to continue my sermon series about not talking about the Sermon on the Mount. All right, that didn't go over well in the first service either, so it's okay. Um, I, did, I, I don't know why I I don't know why I do things like that. But so uh, what I feel like God has put on my heart this morning is that just to talk about how I have learned over the last couple of weeks and over the last couple of months and really over the last couple of years, how to really learn to trust God, how to really trust that he is faithful and that he is going to take care of us and that he is going to accomplish what he said he is going to do. And that when we just kind of enter into his plans and we enter into his purposes, he is going to see us through. He is going to see us through. And so I just want to talk about basically just trusting God and how we do that in our lives. And earlier this week, I was talking to Amber, my wife, and she is the preschool teacher at Vicksburg United Methodist Church, and she is the, the teacher and kind of the coordinator, and she does all the hands-on things. She's like kind of a one-man show, and one-woman show. And there's at the Methodist Church, they have boards, I guess, and so there's a board that oversees the preschool program, and they're great. Uh, but there was this lady uh, who... I don't know if she was voted onto the board or however, however you get on a board. She was on the board, and she was really excited about the preschool program, and she really had a, a heart just to see Amber succeed and to help her and to you know, come alongside and lift her up and kind of bear some of this burden so that Amber could really focus on teaching and really focus on you know, doing what she has been trained to do and what she loves to do. And it was, and Amber was really excited. She felt like, you know, I've got kind of a teammate here. We're, you know, I'm in this with somebody. And this week, uh, this lady calls her and is like, you know what? Ends up we're moving. And Amber was just super disappointed because, you know, she like, she was really excited, you know, and this was going to be, this was going to be great. You know, she was going to get some help and the program was going to be even better than it had, was this year. And she had all these plans. And then it's like, well, actually, none of that's going to happen because I'm moving. And so it was disappointing, and Amber just felt like, oh, I just have the whole weight of this program on my shoulders again. You know, and that can just be difficult, you know, in just life and going, you know, what is going on? It seemed like this was, you know, God, this makes sense. You know, this is, this, this is a great plan, and why, you know, why, does it, why didn't it work out? And, in, and as we were talking, I, I was discussing, you know, kind of what's been going on in my life this last month or five weeks as Cameron has been off on sabbatical. He, before he left, he's like, hey, when I'm gone, why don't you just knock some walls down and kind of remodel this room back there and, you know, no problem, just have it done when I get back. And I'm like, okay, great. And so Cameron uh, leaves and the next Tuesday, Herman and Chris Flaw and I, we spent, I don't know, eight or nine hours just like tearing out walls and tearing out drywall and just doing all this work. And 
it, it was great. We got a lot done. But I kind of stepped back and went, oh, my goodness. Like, this is, this is going to be a serious project. I don't know anything about remodeling. I don't know anything about drywall. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm out of my comfort zone here. And, you know, I've got my family. I'm going to school. Um, I'm preaching a couple times while Cameron's gone. We're taking the kids to the, the youth group to Sturgis for a youth conference. Like, I, I can't do this. And I just felt the weight of this whole thing on my shoulders. And I was like, God, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this five weeks? How am I going to get this done by the time Cameron gets back, you know? And I just felt this heaviness and this burden just all on my shoulders. And praise God, he, he comes in and he brings the glorious Herman Rhodes in. And Herman arrives in a, in a, in a blinding light of glory and is like, I will take the weight of this classroom. And Herman has been amazing. He's just poured out in there like daily just working super hard and along with the men's group and the uh and mark yurdy and other people who have helped out it's been amazing and it's and so you would think that i would be like god you're so good thank you so much for taking care of that and i am i'm really thankful but like the way that my mind works i'm i my question is well what hap- what if you didn't send herman what if it what if that didn't happen and and, like, I want to know how to put things together. I want to know how things are going to work out. Okay? And so, but he's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Mark, it doesn't matter. I've, get, I've, got, I've given you Herman <laughs> for a little while. And, and you know, it, you, know don't, you, you don't have to worry about it. And I'm, and I'm like, well, what about the next project? I don't even know what the next project is, but I'm already pretty sure that I'm not going to be able to handle it. So I'm just like, how am I going to get that taken care of? But he's inviting me in to learning how to trust him and just to go, okay, you know what? This isn't all about me. This classroom isn't all about me. You know, this is, a lot of this is, is God's plan, which I'm going to show you um, in a moment. I'm slightly ahead of myself. Let's turn quickly to the book of Exodus chapter 3, um, and we're going to read the story of Moses and the burning bush. And we, at this point, Moses, uh, probably most of us know he grew up in Egypt and he's living in the Pharaoh's house and he kills an Egyptian and runs away. And now he's living in Midian with Jeth, working for this dude named Jethro. Um, he's married and everything's going relatively well. And he's out with his animals, his flocks. And we're going to pick up the story there uh, in chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, Moses called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. 
So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And so here we have Moses who gets this amazing, miraculous revelation from God, right? There is a burning bush that does not get consumed and the audible voice of God speaking to him. You know, this is, as I look back on the story, as we kind of, you know, from our perspective look at it, we go, how does Moses doubt, you know, what he's being called to do? You know, like, this would be difficult to go, you know, that's, this isn't what God wants me to do. You know, this isn't, this isn't the, really the call of God in my life, you know, because, like, there's a burning bush in the audible voice of God. Like, this would have been great. About a year ago, I was really kind of struggling at Fox Brothers. I, I just could tell. I don't know if I should say that. Don't give this recording to them. Um, and I just felt like, you know what, God is calling me to something else. I'm, I'm ready to take the next step. I, I know that, that God is calling me to something, but I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is. And I was really in this kind of frustrated state, and I didn't know where to go. I felt like I don't have any skills. I don't have anything that I can do. I don't know how to accomplish what I, I don't even know what it is that I don't know how to accomplish. Like, I'm, in compl- I'm completely lost here. And so I decided that I'm just going to seek God. You know, I'm going to seek God about it. And I took like four or five months and one night every week for four or five months, I just sought God. And what I wanted in that time was God just to show up with an, an angel or with the audible voice or with a burning bush. I don't care. You can set my bed on fire. That's fine. Do whatever you want. I just want you to tell me what it is that you want me to do. Like, if you send me an email, God, and it says, Mark, I want you to go to Ethiopia, like, I will go. Like, there's nothing going to stop me because if I can get that solid, you know, evidence, that proof that this is really what God wants me to do, then there's nothing going to stop me. But when we look at the biblical narrative, we see Moses getting this amazing sign that looking back, we go, there's no way I would doubt that. But Moses doubts it. A burning bush in the audible voice of God. And he's like, no, you must have made a mistake. There's no way. You know, Moses wasn't focused on just the awesomeness of this situation. He knew what was going on in Egypt. He was there. He grew up there. He knew how important the Israelites were to the economy of Egypt. He knew that the last time he was there, the Pharaoh wanted to kill him. He knew that the last time he was there, the other Israelites said, who's made you master over us? And he got scared and ran away. So in the natural, there is no reason for him to go back to Egypt. It doesn't make any sense. But in verse 8 of this chapter, God says, So I, I have heard the cry of my people, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. This isn't, this isn't Moses' plan. This isn't Moses' purpose. You know, this isn't, you know, he's like, i got a great idea. I think I'm going to run down to Egypt and get those Israelites out of there. You know, this is God's plan. And God says, I've seen, their, I've seen what's going on. I've heard their cry. I've decided to come and take care of this, and I'm going to use you. And so 
Moses is being invited by God into this relationship. He's being asked to take this crazy risk because, you know, he doesn't know how it's going to end. He could go down there and, you know, the Pharaoh could kill him. He could go down there and the Israelites just kind of like, oh, we don't care. We don't believe you. You know, he had no idea how it was going to happen. But what he was called to do was to trust God with this ridiculous mission. And even though he didn't know how to do it, all he was supposed to do was step towards Egypt to just decide that, okay, I'm going to walk towards Egypt and I am going to do this. You know, but he is scared. His doubts and his fears paralyzed him and caused him to be like, you've, got to, you've made a mistake. You've made a mistake. I don't have it in me. I don't have what it takes to get this job done. You know, and what it, it, it's kind of like if I wanted to go out into the churchyard and I want to dig a bunch of holes and plant a bunch of little trees and I've got this shovel and I go out there and, I, and I'm digging some holes and I kind of quit and I kind of fail and i like, man, this is too hard. I'm not going to do it. Nobody is going to be like, that was a terrible shovel. What was wrong with that shovel? Can't dig a couple of holes. You know, but it wasn't the shovel's responsibility to get the job done. It was, got, it was my responsibility to use the shovel to get the job done. And in the same way, God was inviting Moses to walk out this calling, to walk out this mission. And God's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to use you. So just trust me. You know, and, and it would be terribly difficult. You know, how do you, you know, how do you reconcile that? Like, in my mind, I would want to know, how is this going to work out? How are we going to do it, God? What's going to be the plan? You know, where are we going? And God, you know, walks him through that, and he deals with that. But what I'm saying is that even if we get this amazing, miraculous revelation, you know, this supernatural thing, you know, it still is sometimes difficult to trust God. And we still feel like we need to do it on our own. We need to accomplish this on our own. You know, we see a similar story in the the New Testament when Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. He's been casting out demons. He's been healing blind people. He's been, you know, healing lame people. All this amazing stuff is happening. He feeds the 5,000. He sends his disciples out in the ship. And later on, he comes out walking on the water. You know, and the disciples are kind of freaked out. They think it's a ghost. He's like, no, don't worry, it's me. And Peter says, hey, if that's you, God, you know, if that's you, Jesus, ask me to come out there with you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And so Peter has a choice to make. You know, here is, he's got a lot of things in his favor. From my perspective, you know, he, the feeding of the 5,000 with a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. Like, that's pretty amazing. He's seen Jesus, you know, do the, you know, heal all these people. Like, he's seen it. He's been there. He's walked with them. And he's looking at Jesus standing on water right now. And so there's no reason to doubt, right? And so then he steps out of the boat, and he's standing on water. Like, in the way I see it, like, I would have just, like, I don't know. What do you do? Have a dance party with Jesus on the water? You just, you're out there. You're hanging out. You're strutting, you know, whatever. Strutting. You're strutting. And, and so you're just out there in the water with Jesus. But what happens? You know, Peter gets distracted by the wind, and he gets distracted by the waves, and he gets his eyes off of Jesus, and he begins to sink. And Jesus says, you know, he saves him, he lifts him up, and he says, You, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, and we go, why, Peter? Why would you doubt? How, you know, how would you, 
not see that he's calling you to this and you can just you can hang out on the water as long as you want how did you get distracted but it's just reality and we see this in our lives all the time you know i don't even have the luxury of you know seeing these miraculous things in my life right like it seems like oh well it's ridiculous that peter doubted but it's not ridiculous for me because i've never get to walk on water there's no bushes burning in my yard you know there's i don't have this stuff right but I believe that God is calling us into the same relationship of walking in trust with him. Just as clearly as Jesus called Peter and just as clearly as God called Moses, he will speak to us if we can position ourselves in a place to hear what he has. If we position ourselves, if we diligently seek and believe that God is going to reveal his plans for my life. I just believe that he will do it. You know, in my life, I was seeking God about, I don't know what to do. What should I do? God, just send me an email. I'll go to Ethiopia. I'll do whatever you want. And nothing happened, right? On the outside, it would be easy for me to go, God never said anything. I'm just going to stay at Fox Brothers and just, I'm just going to get through life. You know, whatever, you know, things are pretty good. This is just, this is all there is. But I knew that there was more. And I sought after God. And even though he didn't show up and, you know, an angel didn't come into my bedroom and tell me what to do. But I, I heard that still small voice. You know, I, I felt him leading me and guiding me and directing me. And I talked to Cameron and I talked to the Gerbers and I talked to Scott Jones, you know, and just got wise counsel. And I believe that God has spoken to me. And I believe that God said, Mark, I'm calling you into full-time ministry. Now just walk it out. You know what? And I don't know how to do it. I didn't know at that point, you know, like how do I get from working at Fox Brothers to full-time ministry? And God's like, um, just go to, you know, go to school. I'm like, okay. So I look at some schools. You know, and I, so I don't know how the process is going to work out, but I take it a step at a time. And God opens the door, and I take a step. And I'm trusting that he is going to see me through. And I believe that this room, this room remodel, is just another, um, is just another step in that direction. You know, obviously this room is not a big deal. It's, you know, it's not life or death. I'm not going to get fired. If Cameron comes back this week and is like, this room isn't done yet. Mark's out. Get Scott Jones back in here. We need something. We need to get something really done here. This is ridiculous, you know. That's not going to happen. But I was really freaked out about it. And I believe that God... His purpose in my life right now includes this room. And so I am not alone. I am not alone to finish this up because I am walking out the purposes of God. And this is just another step and he's going to get me through it. And he's not brought me this far to fail at a room remodel. Let me get a drink of water. I don't know how much time I have. 12, 20, okay. So, I've done it again. I've gotten completely off my notes. So, (laughs) don't worry, this happened last time. We finished. Um, And so Jesus is asking us to enter into a relationship in a lifestyle of trusting him. And this can be difficult. It can be really difficult. And in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus talks about trusting him a lot. He talks about trusting him with our finances. 
You know, he talks about, you know, when you give, this is how you're supposed to give. And when, you know, don't store up treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. And don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear. Because, you know, I, your father knows all of your needs and he is going to take care of them. He says, just seek first the kingdom and all this stuff is going to be taken care of. And a couple of years ago, like Amber and I just felt really led that we were supposed to start tithing again. We had kind of fallen away from it for a while, and, but we just felt led to do it. But it was super difficult. It's super hard, right? Because you're looking at your budget and you're like, well, if I give God 10% off the top, you know, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to you know, you know, buy groceries or I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage or whatever it is. And it was scary, but I believe it's almost like, it's kind of like Jesus is just like, Mark, I just want you to learn to trust me. I just want you to learn to walk this out and just watch how I'm going to take care of you. And God has been faithful constantly. You know, he has blessed us so much through this. You know, and like, there is no reason for me to doubt God's provision because he is always, for years and years, taking care of us. We haven't had any wants. We haven't had any, you know, I mean, we have some wants. You know, we've been able to pay all our bills, right? Like everything is working out. And yet every week when I sit down to write that check, I'm like, man, I don't know if this is going to work out. Man, this, I don't, I don't know. And so we're, I'm getting my eyes off of Jesus. I'm getting my eyes off of what I know in the, in my heart of hearts is the truth that God is faithful. He has promised to take care of me. He has promised to see me through this situation. And he's just asking me to take a step of faith. He's just asking, he's like, Mark, why don't you just come out of the boat? Mark, why don't you just come out here? I want you to be where you can't touch anymore because I want to show you what I can do through you. I want to show you how amazing I am, how strong I am. I want to show you how powerful I am. And it's going to be awesome. And I just want to use you. All I'm asking is take a step out of the boat. And it's scary. Every single time it's scary. We would think it probably gets easier. And, oh, well, you know, it's not scary for Sean Clinton. He can do anything. He's amazing. He stands on top of a Jeep. He'll do, he doesn't care. You know, and so it just seems like, like, you know, we, (laughs) we, we feel like we can go, oh, it's probably easier for them because, you know, they've got this job or, you know, it's probably easier for them because, you know, they, you know, they don't have the issues that I have. It's probably easier for them because of this scenario or that. But you know what? It doesn't. That's not what God is like. Hey, compare yourself to everybody else. And if it works out, then give me some money. God's just saying, you know, what? I'm going to take care of you. I promise to take care of you. You know, look at, you know, and it seems like, you know, Jesus's answer is like, you don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear because look at the sparrows. They're fine. And you're like, that's terrible. Like, wh- who cares about that? Like, the sparrows don't need a house. The sparrows don't have clothes. Sparrows don't need a sweet Oldsmobile 88, you know? Like, they don't need anything. But the, what Jesus' point is, is that, hey, I'm going to take care of the sparrows, and you are more important than they are. You are so important to me that I promise if you seek first the kingdom, I'm going to take care of everything else. And so as I walk through this kind of journey towards, you know, whatever you want to call it, towards ministry or going to school or whatever, you know, I don't know how it's ultimately going to look out or how it's ultimately going to work out. But I know 
I know that I know that I'm on the right path, that I'm doing what God has called me to do, and that he is not going to abandon me in the middle of this, of this thing. He is going to see it through. He is going to do it. And we can trust that he is going to see each of us through whatever is going on in our lives, whatever God's purpose is in your life. And if you don't know what that purpose is, I just implore you to seek it out, to figure it out, because God wants to tell you. He's not keeping it hidden. He's not a big secret keeper in like, man, if if Mark figures out the the one correct path, then I'm going to bless him. No, he wants to show us. He wants to lead us. He wants to be with us in the journey. He's not going to be just like, all right, Mark, go to school. I'll see you when you get there. You know, he is with me every single step of the way. When I write that check, and even if I don't know how it's going to work out, he is there with me. And I know, I know, I know that he's going to take care of me. And he's going to take care of you. And so, just in closing, I guess I just want to say that I believe that Jesus is calling us into a lifestyle of knowing God's plans for us and trusting him to see those plans through. And I just believe that Jesus is calling us to step out of the boat. He's calling us to purpose. He's calling us into a destiny. He wants us to turn this city upside down. He wants us to impact the world that we live in. You know, just like the the disciples in the first century, you know, what they they rose up. They knew what God's plan was. He said to go into Jerusalem, into Judea, into the ends of the earth and spread the gospel. They had a plan and they were walking it out. And even though they met opposition, they met oppression, they were martyred, they like a bunch of stuff, bad stuff happened. But they were in the will of God and God saw them through it. And maybe you're like, well, that martyrdom didn't seem to work out very good. And yeah, I kind of wish I wouldn't have brought that up because I don't really have an answer for that. You know? But, but I believe that God is faithful. And we have an eternal hope of glory. You know, that regardless of the situation, if we are faithful and we walk it out, I believe that God is going to take care of us. Okay? So, and I don't know if God's kind of tugging on your heart today. You know, maybe there's an area in your life that you're just like, I just need to learn to trust God. You know, maybe it's with your marriage or maybe it's with your kids or it's with your job or, you know, with what the future holds or with your finances or, you know, whatever that is. Or maybe today is that, you know, God's like tugging at your heart and it's like, today, I just want you to trust me with your life. Today, I want you to make a decision to walk with me for the rest of your life and have a relationship with me as your Savior. Maybe God is calling you into that level of relationship today. And I just want to encourage you, if that is you, just come and get prayed for. Come and talk to me. I would love to tell you more about Jesus because he loves you and he is passionate about you and he wants to walk with you through this life. So let's just close in prayer. So, Father God, we're just so grateful that you are faithful. We're so grateful that you are trustworthy. And God, we just choose right now to believe that you are going to take care of us. We choose to believe right now that you are going to show us what your plan is for us. You're going to show us what your purpose is for us. And we are going to walk that out, God. We choose to run after you. We choose to throw off 
anything that would hinder us. We throw off anything that would keep us from accomplishing what you've put in our lives, God. And we just choose to step out of the boat and trust that you are good. And we repent for believing that you're not. We repent for believing that you don't care. We repent for believing that you're not going to see us through, that you've just brought us out to the desert to die. But God, we open our eyes and we choose to see all the goodness that you've poured out. We choose to to take up the manna that you've poured out. We choose to remember when you parted the Red Sea. We choose to remember the good things that you have done, the miraculous ways that you have provided for us. We choose to believe you. You're so faithful, God. Thank you, God. Amen.